What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 165 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch. What's back crack a Not much. Just patiently waiting to get out onto the water. That's right. Uh, speaking of dirtbags, uh, this yeah. morning, uh, this, this I don't know, noon, whatever, uh, CMT, you know, the, cho- the, the channel, channel CMT. CMT. Yeah, country music television yeah. or whatever it is. Had Joe Dirt on. Joe Dirt. Oh, Joe yeah. Dirt. I, I watched Joe Dirt uh, around noon today, uh, followed up by Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the first one. So, I mean, CMT was cranking out the freaking the Joe goodies today. Dirt. I was, Joe Dirt. I was thinking of Joe Dirt like a week ago because a uh, guy from town here that works for engineering company, he found a, a what was it, like a mammoth tooth or something like yep, that. Yep. Doing it. And I was just going to say that ain't nothing. Space no. peanut. <laughs> that ain't nothing but from one of them airplanes. Yep. <laughs> nope. Uh, I don't know. That was, that was interesting. I, I, uh, dirt bags. Yeah, it's been a long dang time since I've uh, since I've seen old Joe Dirte. <laughs> but uh um nope uh tomorrow night uh national championship for, for basketball uh, for basketball the women's is tonight is going on right now as we record as we record uh and then um, the so men's. tomorrow night uh north carolina versus kansas, kansas who you right. got i want north carolina to win but i think kansas is going to get it done there is three minutes left in the women's game right now uh, three minutes left in the third quarter of the women's game right what do you think the score is um, 57 to 50, 43 to 29 South Carolina. Ooh, they're putting a whooping on them. They are putting a whooping on them. That Paige Buke, Beckers Buke, or whatever Beckers, she's yeah. from up there, right by yeah. Minneapolis. Yep, Up in the cities there. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess you can't win them all. <laughs> Maybe they can make an epic comeback in the fourth. They might be able to. Hell, if I anybody would, was going to, I was going to say, be, she'll yeah. start throwing them up. Her and Caitlin Clark, they, they'll, they'll logo a couple. Who do you got in the national title game? On my bracket, yeah, uh, like or who? Who am I guessing you, between you, those who two? Who you got tomorrow night? Uh, I I think it's going to be Kansas, but I'd like to see North Carolina win just because they're a number eight seed, right? And you know? Hubert Davis, rookie coach, and yep. yeah, that's just cool. To yeah, see. I don't give two rips about either of the teams, but uh, um, yeah, I just I'm the type of dude that always goes for the underdog. So uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Matt, I got a little game to play with you. Uh, um, we do got a guest on later. Um, you know, the, this this game ain't going to take very long. But uh, uh, a while back, I think it was either on Colin Coward or it was on um, uh, uh, Dan Patrick's show, but they were kind of doing a buy-sell segment. Uh, I I give you uh, – Buy or sell. I give you kind of a uh, – a statement, statement and, and you say whether you're buying it or selling it. If so it's uh, BS or if it's full real. Yep. Uh, so Jay Shakurit, uh, Wisconsin angler. Uh, we had him on the show here a couple months ago uh, on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Uh, is currently in ninth in angler of the year. Right. Uh, does he win? He. I, I'm saying he wins. Rookie of the year. You buying or selling it? I'm buying that. You're buying that. I'm buying that big time. I'm buying it that he's going to finish top 10 angler of the year, too. I was just going to ask you, does he finish in the top top 15 in angler of the year? And you're buying that, too, huh? I am. He's uh, He can catch him. Oh, yeah. Jake can catch him. He And he's proven that in the opens and everything along the way, too. Like, he's always got himself in contention up there, you know. And one of these times, he's going to, I mean. He's going to win one. He's going to be contesting for a win here before the season's over i really got a strong feeling and you got to think he's only going to do better uh, you know as the season goes on right you know who i i think a he's a crap shoot for all of them but uh um you know i gotta think when when it gets to lacrosse that's got to be a fishery that he's fished before and, uh, and he but he's got to have some experience on Wahi out there with his dad fishing all the walleye tournaments and stuff yep. like that i mean you yep. think that i mean He's used to that type of stuff. I I would feel. I just I just really think that he is going to end up being the rookie of the year and be going to finish there. top ten in angler of the year. Yeah, I really feel so. All right. Uh, currently thirty ninth, Seth Fighter uh, from Elko New Market, uh, Minnesota. Uh, does he still finish in the top twenty in angler of the year? You buying or selling that? I'm going to buy that. You are going to buy that. Yeah. He's going to finish strong. He's gonna he's gonna finish out strong, and then when the northern swing comes through, he's gonna pick up some valuable points to 
to get himself up there in the top 20. I really feel like he will. Okay. Uh, our buddy, Brennan, zero Fs given Nighthawk Lockwood. Uh, ZFG fishing. That's right. Uh, Chamberlain, uh, South Dakota resident. Uh, walleye guide out there. Uh, he sent me a snap the other day. He is officially locked in on the pro side of the NWT. Let's That's going to be happening here at the end of April. Uh, God knows we're pulling for him. Brennan Lockwood finishes in the top 30. You buying or selling that? Buying it again. God dang it. You're going to run out of money, man. I know. You're going to run buying. out of money. Well, you know, I was at that. We were at that Pheasants Forever auction last night. I just in the buying you, mood. I didn't buy nothing. But, but that, that's this, the, you, you saved all with, your money. Right. With this imaginary money, I can spend all I want. Mm-hmm. I'm buying it. You're buying it. He's finishing in the top 30. He's yep. got that local knowledge, and uh, he's going to jackpot that son of a gun. I believe so. All right. Uh, last year's winner. Uh, I believe this year the tournament is basically like down to the day, uh, exactly the same as last year, end of April. I think last year it was April 30th, and I think this year it's going to be April 29th. Um, Chase Parsons ended up winning it last year. Does Chase Parsons back it up with a top five finish? Are you buying selling. or selling? You're selling it. I'm selling that. He's he not ain't doing finish. it again. No, huh? he ain't finishing the top five. Top 25. Yeah, he might finish up you there. You buy that? Yeah, I'd buy that, but I don't think he's going to get in the top five. Okay. Nothing against Chase. I just don't. I got to sell something. Yeah, well, and, and uh, you know, I mean, as, as much as you, as, as much as angling is a lot of skill, there's got to be some luck too. You know, one bad boat draw, you know, starting off on day one and, and you get right. into a bad rotation and that might be all it takes to, to not get that win. So you're, you're selling that one. Selling it. Officially selling that one. All righty. Um, well, uh, today we've got uh, we've got a pretty cool one. We've never really uh, dove into this side of fishing before, but uh, we've got an electronics expert on. Uh, we've got Taylor Sprangle, who's from somewhere up uh, close to the cities. Monica, in, I think somewhere. Nah, up I, don't in, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know. And we got to be careful. Area. We can't exactly say, you know, close to the cities because we know that there's a guy who lives close to the cities that doesn't like to be referred to as close to the cities. So, you know, we're he's just going to, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's in central Minnesota somewhere. But uh, his name's Taylor Sprangle, and he owns Sprangle Performance Marine. Uh, they do a lot of boat electronics. And uh, um, me and Matt thought that it'd be awesome to to get a guy like that on just because it's not something that uh, uh, that we've really ever talked about before. Right, and something that's very foreign to you and I. I mean, we know how to use our electronics on our boat, but as far as rigging and all that stuff goes, you know. I can plug in a cell phone charger and turn a TV on, and that is about <laughs> it. So, uh, um, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, Taylor's able to spread a little uh, knowledge, and uh, I guess with that we'll, uh, we'll uh, give him a call. And Taylor Sprangle is our guest today. Taylor's the owner of Sprangle Performance Marine. And uh, Taylor, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Doing really good. Taylor, uh, we always like to get our show started off uh, with some random questions. Uh, I want to know, what was the last concert you attended? I believe it was Firefest in 2019 in Cold Spring. Um I can't honestly say I remember who was playing that night. It was that good of a night? <laughs> good night then. Yep, yep. It was that good of a night. So. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that sounds not, like a really good night. Not here for a long time, just here for a good time. That's right. <laughs> That's my motto, man. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll go, we talk food a lot on here, too. Uh, favorite flavor of ice cream? I'm one of the weird ones. I like mint chocolate chip. Oh, jeez. Oh, I puked a little bit in my mouth there. It's like eating ice cream and brushing your teeth at the same time. That's right. <laughs> that's that's about exactly what it's like. Uh, Taylor, where do you call home? Uh, right now I'm living in Monticello. Um, I've lived in the West Metro basically my entire life. Uh, for a little while there I lived in uh, up by Brainerd, Minnesota. Uh, but basically, you know, West Metro has been home for me my entire life. Okay. Um, you know, obviously I, I don't personally know you. I don't, I don't know you at all. Uh, but you know, we're, we're having you on because you rig boats. You, you do a lot of stuff with electronics on boats. 
but according to Facebook, you do a lot more uh, fly fishing and, and fishing for trout, stuff that you don't need electronics for at all. Tell us a little bit about the fishing that you personally do. Well, I think uh, my, my favorite fishing, honestly, is, uh, is, is fishing for steelhead. Um, basically a rainbow trout that lives in a big body of water and migrates up the rivers of spawn, similar to a salmon. Uh, I chase those things all around the Great Lakes. We have some uh, some rivers up by Duluth, all the way over to you know Milwaukee, Green Bay, and then uh, I've made some friends over the years, and I, I go out to uh, New York and and chase them around, um, chasing them, you know, float fishing with center pin setups, and then I do really enjoy fly fishing for trout. Um, I do a lot of that in southeastern Minnesota and stuff like that. Uh, basically, that takes up my off season when it's cold out. Uh, those those species of fish really fire up, you know, end of November all the way until about now is kind of the peak and then it tapers off. And then in the summer, I think my favorite thing to do is I've got a, uh, I've got a jet boat. I fish the upper Mississippi from pretty much Monticello up to Brainerd for smallmouth and muskie. Nice. Nice. Now, now, so you don't do any ice fishing. I did a lot of ice fishing. I think I kind of burnt myself out on it. Uh, the one thing that still really gets me is uh, ice fishing for catfish. Um, not just on the horseshoe chain. I've done it on some uh, rivers and stuff like that. And it just seems like nothing nothing really beats them things through the ice. You know, you're fishing light panfish gear and they're big fish and they pull hard. So that uh, that kind of consumes my winter when it's too cold to be out on the creeks, which... Most of those creeks down in southeastern Minnesota being spring-fed, they stay open all year. So when that season opens up for catch and release in January, if I can get a day where it's in the mid-20s or whatever, I'll be down there fly fishing. Wow. Nice. What do you, like, what are some, like, techniques, some, you know, some pointers to give somebody that wants to try that when it's that cold out? You know, the most... The most obvious thing is just to be safe. Um, I've had a lot of close calls with friends of mine. You know, the, the rivers may be open, but they'll get a lot of shelf ice to where there's, you know, three, four inches of really poor ice along the sides of the rivers. That can be dangerous if you're not paying attention, you slip and you fall. Um, I, I learned early on from fishing, you know, some hot water discharge in the winter that if you're going to fish in cold weather, your best friend is Vaseline. Uh, we all know ice in the guides is a, is a huge headache but if you can put some vaseline in your guides it'll actually keep the ice from building up in your guide so even even ice fishing you know if i'm fishing outside on a cold day or whatever just run some vaseline through your guides um as far as trout fishing in the driftless it's the same it's the same techniques i i do in the summer um you're just fishing a little bit slower water you know you're being a little more methodical with it um, I like that though, because, you know, in the summer I go full ham with electronics. Um, you know, even though I like smallmouth fishing on the river, I do a ton of largemouth fishing, which as we all know, as Minnesota anglers brings us out to rock piles and weed lines and stuff. So it is kind of nice to have that disconnection where it's just you and the fish. And then that kind of resets me and gets me hungry again for the summer season when I can start really dialing in electronics and stuff like that. Definitely. Now, uh, we've had a couple other fly fishermen on, and uh, every single one of them has told us some pretty wild stories, uh, you know, up up north uh, in the tributaries uh, on the Great Lakes. You know, there, there's wolves and bears up there. Uh, a guy who we had on here a few weeks ago, uh, I believe he was out like in the Carolinas or Virginia, and he came across a black bear. You got anything crazy where things kind of got a little Western? You know, I've never really had any any really close calls like that um I, I play it pretty safe um I, I guess the most recent was i was actually up on the brule last week and what's weird is a lot of the uh the 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 um the woods is like frozen like there's like two feet of ice in the woods and uh me and a buddy of mine were walking along and uh one of the big ice shelves that was you know super thick uh broke free and i ended up sliding in the crack of it with one of my legs and luckily i fell backwards because i feel like had i fallen forwards i'd have broke my leg um we were quite a ways from anywhere where we were supposed to be um so it would it would definitely wouldn't have been fun to get try to get out of there with that but you know i really haven't had that many um dangerous animal encounters i guess i've seen a lot of cool stuff you know i've seen river otters and you know a lot of cool different fish and stuff but 
um, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. I think I focus too much on the fishing and I don't pay enough attention to what's going on around <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. You've had bears five feet behind you. You were just know. so zoned in. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just my buddy walking behind me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, now, uh, obviously we, we, we got you on to talk about, uh, uh, rigging boats, electronics, and whatnot. Uh, you own Sprangle Performance Marine. Uh, tell us where that's at. Uh, we are located right off Highway 10 in Anoka. In Anoka. Okay. And and how long have you been located there? Uh, we actually just moved here this year. A uh, little bit of history. I've been in this business um, professionally for uh, probably seven, eight years. Um I've been working on boats. I mean, I got a, my grandparents gave me a 14 foot Lund Tiller boat. I think that's what everyone started with. Um, my earliest memory is I remember going to a flea market in Brainerd with my grandma and there was a old guy in a poncho looked like he had had his, had a rough past, but he was selling an old Eagle fish finder. You know, one of the old ones that's got about 60 pixels in the screen and man, I wanted it something fierce. Um, so I ended up begging and begging, and of course it was, yeah, I'll buy this for you. you got to mow the grass and do a bunch of chores before I'll give it to you. So I remember getting that and mounting it on my boat and not nothing ever really working right. And I was like, well, you know, my, my motor wouldn't ever start. It was an electric start motor and stuff. Well, then I started diving into why isn't this stuff working. Um, that was right about the time I started racing RC cars. So all of you know my electronics experience kind of started when i was like 12 years old um you know understanding how how circuits work and gauge of wire and, and you know current draw and stuff like that so man people ask me how long i've been doing this and i i've got to say my whole life i mean when i was a little kid my dad and grandpa were obviously serious anglers and whenever they were putting new stuff on their boats of course the little kid was the one crawling around the compartments pulling <laughs> wires and stuff yeah. so I've been around this stuff my whole life. You know, I, I fixed my first trolling motor when I was like eight years old. I had a trolling motor on, I think it was an otter sled that I put styrofoam blocks under. So, um, but I've been in this business. Sprangle Performance Marine has been in business. This is uh, my second year. Um, and like I said, I've been doing it professionally for a while. And I just, you know, there was a hole in the market. I used to work at a place called Actions Fishing. It was actually in the exact same location that I'm in right now. Um, I worked there until, uh, Jack actually ended up retiring. And then, uh, I worked at a, you know, a couple dealerships in between there and, and just, you know, never, never really found my niche in, in, which is electronics and trolling motor repair. And then, uh, opened up Sprangle Performance Marine and with the help of some awesome people, I'm able to get rolling here and, uh, we're a full service electronic shop. We'll sell whatever we can actually get our hands on, uh, and we're a uh, Minn Kota and Lawrence authorized warranty center, as well as PowerPull too. So if you ever need any of that stuff fixed and it's under warranty, we can get you taken care of. Nice. Very nice. Now I, uh, I I do purchasing for uh, for a living at a, at a manufacturing company, and I know exactly how hard it is for me to get uh, a lot of electronic components and whatnot. Uh, how how's that been for you? It's been tough. Um, you know, the, the toughest thing is always, you know, graphs. Um, graphs and trolling motors have been extremely hard to come by. Um, man, I've got, a, I've got a book of people with what they've called me and said, hey, if you can find this, you know, get it and, and call me. And it seems just about every day or every other day, I'm searching my wholesalers for, you know, those keywords, Mega 360, HDS 12s, Helix 10s, is all that stuff. Um, that's been the tough stuff to get a hold of. Now, on the flip side of that, transducers, networking cables, actual wire, graph mounts, stuff like that, that's actually gotten really good, and I'm able to get a hold of that stuff pretty easily. So it's nice. Uh, basically, how it works with uh, wholesale for electronics is whoever has the first back order in gets the graphs first. Um, I actually always encourage my customers when they come to me for install, you know, they ask, well, do you prefer that I buy the stuff for you or, you know, can I buy them somewhere else? And yeah, I, I actually encourage people, you know, if they want to go and get graphs, you know, from big box stores, Cabela's, you know, Shields, um, Capra's, all those places, 
that that doesn't bother me as much. Um, you know, I, I want my customers to get their products. I want to get their boats rigged and I want to get them back out on the water. So, and a lot of times with, you know, those, those bigger stores is what kind of deals they give, you know, like Cabela's with their club points and, you know, the, the credit cards and stuff, they're actually getting a better price on the graphs than I can purchase them for. So, you know, I always tell people when they call me and they're like, Hey, you know, do you have any helixes or whatever? I say, no, but if you can find them, bring them in to me. Um, but then the networking stuff, all that small stuff, you know, if you just bring me the head units, then I can work through all the logistics of, you know, what cords you need and what networking cables and all that stuff. And then I can get that stuff for you. And then we can get the boat, you know, done and installed. Now, would you say that I'm sure that this is probably your busiest, busy time of the year? Do a lot of guys wait till now to start doing it? Do you have some guys that like actually, you know, most of us are like, well, well I'm going to rig it during the winter, but you never do until it's just about open water season. And then it's like, I got to hurry up and get it in. You, you know, what's funny is, is I, I don't feel like I have actually gotten the flood yet. <laughs> um, right. I, 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 it was kind of scary because I saw a post on Fishing Minnesota. Somebody said, uh, when do you guys take your boats out of storage? And there's a lot of people on there that don't even take their boats out of storage or start thinking about them until the lakes are thawed, which around here, nothing's, I mean, the river's open and there's some lakes that are starting to open up, but I don't think a lot of people have gotten their boats out. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I have been busy though. There's, there's been a lot of people bringing boats in and stuff, but I'm still getting the phone calls of, hey, you know, can we do this? And then, well, I'll call you back when I get my boat out of storage. So, <laughs> right. The, the I, I same day the everyone problem, else is going to call you. Right. <laughs> exactly. When I think a lot of the problem is, you know, especially with this year with all the snow we've gotten and all that stuff, I think a lot of people can't get their boats out of storage. Um, but yeah, I, I would say actually my busy season is basically from now up until like two days before opener, and then it's a ghost town that basically Thursday to Wednesday after opener, you wouldn't think anybody owns a boat again. And I think everyone's just, they're going out, they're going to deal with what they've got. And then it's like once everyone gets home from the weekend or whatever, then the floodgates really open. And it's hard to gauge, you know, a lot of people that are coming in now, coming in with graph installs you know we're doing repowers and stuff like that but once the water opens up then i'm going to start getting a lot of those customers that are having trolling motor problems or you know shallow water anchor problems or now they're realizing their graphs are having issues and they want to upgrade and stuff like that so the season kind of progresses as to what the what customers i see um it's been a lot of big installs up until this point you know a lot of guys putting four or five graphs on their boat doing full rewires you know these are guys that have been thinking about this stuff all winter piecing it together and then i mean ultimately i don't want you to bring your boat through the salt and stuff so we just wait for the roads to get cleaned off and then guys bring me their boats right, right yeah what's the most screens you've put in a boat <sighs> so i didn't put all of them on a boat but when i worked at actions fishing there was a customer that i added graphs to and i believe he was up to 11 on his boat <laughs> <laughs> This guy was an old farmer who had sold his farm and retired and he would come in with a magazine and he would say, I want this. And he had a, he had a big, big Lund wheel boat. And I remember we had three graphs on his console and then we were literally lining graphs up going down the gunnel of his boat. Um, <laughs> ultimately it ended up being just a mess. I haven't seen that guy in a number of years, so I'm not sure if he's just content with what he's got, but he had everything on there. He had radar, he had, I think he had three aqua views, one in the front, one in the console, one in the back. He had Lawrence, he had Hummingbird, he had a Simrad on there. Wow. Uh, he he had everything on there. So that, but most guys, um, you know, somewhere in that range, you know, obviously two, but seems like three is becoming the norm, either two on the dash or two on the bow. Um, actually, I've got in my shop right now, I've got a guy, I've got three guys that are we're doing four graphs on so four is kind of starting to become more popular two at the console two in the bow um and yeah times are changing i mean technology is at just a place that i didn't think it would ever get to um but yeah the more screens the better is kind of how it seems these days and and do is that because a lot of guys will run you know their sonar with one and then have their mapping on the other 
Is that is that kind of the reason why a lot of people are running the four? Well, I think the two graphs of the console, you know, that's always kind of been around. A lot of guys, they want to run the down imaging, the sonar, the mapping, and the side imaging. And, you know, the way the way that I explain it to people is, you know, setting up your splits right, you want to utilize the most pixels you can. So if you have side imaging, that's going to utilize your left to right pixels. So the problem is, is if you want to fully maximize your sonar, that's going to utilize your top to bottom pixels. So you have to decide, you know, do you want to cut a little bit off your side imaging and compress that? Or do you want to cut a little bit off your sonar and compress that? So what I do personally with a lot of my customers that are running two graphs or two graphs at the console, I'll run side imaging on the bottom of one. We're getting the full spectrum side imaging left to right mm-hmm. mapping on the top. So you can kind of see left to right, you know, mapping kind of, it just fits in there. And then um, on my Lawrence customers, I run three splits horizontally on the other side. And one is sonar, and then I do two different colors of down imaging. Hummingbird, I just run sonar, down imaging, um, just seems to work out better. And then I think where it's coming into play now is on the bow. A lot of guys adding the, the you know, the Garmin Live Scope, Lowrance Active Target, Mega Live 360. Those are sonars that really use a lot of screen space to be able to see when you're standing up on top of the boat. So a lot of guys are running two graphs on the front, so they have their traditional map, sonar, down imaging, and then on the big screen, they've either got their live or their 360, or they're switching between that. Mm-hmm. Now, Another thing that I wanted Drew to kind of touch on, touch on is uh, how important are good batteries? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's there's a gazillion different batteries out there. Uh, you know, from the high performance lithium batteries that people are dropping thousands of dollars on to going to Walmart and pulling one off the shelf. There, uh, can can batteries make a big difference uh, when it comes to your electronics? Absolutely. And and I'm going to get absolutely criticized on this. I just, I know it, but if you go and get a really good group 31, um, lead acid battery from Walmart, or actually the one that I run in my goal personally came from fleet farm. It was $89. That battery, I cannot tell through all of my testing I've done with voltmeters and, and visually on the water. I cannot tell a difference in my performance in my graphs in the first season from a you know three four hundred dollar agm battery now where agms are going to be a lot better is over time of really drawing those batteries down you know if you've got multiple screens and you've got shallow water anchors and live wells you know you're really working that battery that agm is going to be basically a lot more resilient to all of that now we're starting to see lithiums come onto the market I'm a little bit hesitant on lithiums just because as a kid playing with RC cars, dealing with lithiums, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of crazy. They, they can really do damage to themselves if they're not controlled. Now, all lithium batteries, major brand lithium batteries, they have what's called a BMI on them. And basically, it's a battery manager. So it's a circuit board on top of the battery that will tell the battery what's going on. You know, if you're if you're trying to draw too much power, like there's a short, it'll cut it off. So you don't end up with these shorts and lithiums. Um, you know, the, the technology is definitely going to get easier and cheaper. You know, I don't, I remember back in the day, Samsung came out with a phone and it was blown up in people's hands. It was the same thing. It was early lithium. Um, you know, when drills first came out, they were having problems. I think we're right on the verge of having lithiums be, um, easy for every consumer. Now, the biggest problem with lithium is charging and discharging. They don't like cold weather. Um, so, like, if you're trying to charge a lithium below 32 degrees, it, it's just not going to take a charge. So, they still take a little more care as of right now. Um, for the serious angler that just wants the best they can do, a lot of my customers are running a good AGM cranking battery, sometimes two if they need the power. And then we're running lead-acid trolling motor batteries. And the lithium trolling motor batteries, those are super nice. Um, the only problem is is a couple of brands of trolling motors aren't actually designed to run on the increased voltage that lithium supplies. So although the companies aren't voiding warranties or anything like that, it just needs to be known that 
if you're running your trolling motor on 100% with lithium batteries, it's using more voltage than it's used to. The other problem that I have with lithium is with kind of how tough they are to get a hold of. You know, if you're up in a remote place, let's say you're up in Lake Vermilion or whatever, and you have three lithium batteries, and one of those batteries goes bad, it's not a smart idea to just replace that lithium battery in the mix with a lead battery. It's just the way the chemistry is, it's not going to work. So that's what I kind of tell people when they ask me, you know, what are some of the drawbacks? So if you have three lead batteries in there, you can go to Walmart, you can go to O'Reilly's, you can go wherever you want, basically in the country and find a battery to replace that. Um, I, I do believe now I'm seeing tracker lithium. I'm seeing lithium is being sold in stores and they're coming out more. It's just like anything, you know, it's new, they're hard to get. And then once it becomes more prevalent, technology gets easier to get a hold of. I think they're going to get cheaper. And I do think they are going to change the marine game. Nice. Right. Now, now you talked about, you know, uh, lead batteries there. And then you talked a lot about AGM, AGM. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go there. What's AGM? AGM is absorbed glass mat. Basically, uh, it's two different chemistries. Your lead batteries are your traditional lead electrodes that are bathed in a, basically it's just distilled water. Um, AGM's kind of similar, but they're fully sealed. You're not going to pull the top off and add battery to them. They actually have a glass mat inside of them that's holding the electrode in there. Um, it's just kind of the, the step up, you know, we had gel batteries, which were like a lead acid, but they had a gel in them. Those aren't real popular in the Marine world. I have two of them in my river boat just because that was all fleet farm had and I needed batteries in a pinch. Um, but basically what I tell people is if you're a serious angler and you're running a, a lead acid cranking battery, you need to be prepared to replace that battery every year. If you're a serious angler and you're running an AGM battery, that battery can last three to five years. So I sell lead acid batteries at my shop for a hundred dollars that if you're just, I guess, drag racing batteries right off the hop, they're going to perform equally, if not maybe just a touch better than the AGM battery. But after the first winter and they get cold and they have a lot of uses and stuff like that on them, you're going to see a severe drop in performance. Um, I always just recommend AGMs for cranking batteries, especially running all of these graphs. They do have a little bit better reserve capacity. So how much the battery can hold and how much it can drain. And it seems like when you start getting that, you know, that end of the day, when your motor's just barely going to start, the AGMs seem to give that little bit extra kick to get your motor going at the end of the day. Nice. So, do you do you ever recommend running your electronics off of a separate battery than your cranking battery, or, I mean, most people have them hooked right up to the cranking battery, correct? Yeah. So that's kind of come up, and 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 I could be wrong on this, but just my my feelings are, if you're running everything off of the same battery, all of your grounds are the same. You know, all of your positives are the same. I have a customer's boat in my shop right now. He brought it to me. We were just, we were doing power harnesses to his graphs. He's like, hey, can you clean up this wiring? The, the guy that he had bought it from, I think a year ago or whatever, had put a bunch of extra stuff on there. And what was actually happening is the way he had some stuff rigged in there, it was getting electrolysis. And basically what it's doing is it's, it's charging different parts of the boats with an electronic field. And actually turns like metal parts on your boat, like it gives it like a blue to rainbow finish. You start getting corrosion and stuff. And the guy that he had bought it from had ran a bunch of grounds, like from his fuel sender, from his battery, from his grass, down out the boat into the jack plate. And when I was pulling all these wires out, his wires were actually melted and starting to short out. Now I'm installing lithiums in this customer's boat and I have a real inclination that had we just put the lithiums in there and not done anything with the wiring, there could have been some serious issues that were happening. Um, so I haven't seen any real negative drawbacks to running a second battery. However, on my personal boat, I run a group 31 cranking battery. Um, I run three 12 inch graphs, power pole and live wall. And in a tournament day, I have never had a battery issue. Um, with these boats, we're putting five graphs on. I, I have a couple customers that 
I'm like, listen, we can add a second battery in parallel, which is what I like doing. So basically there's two types of rigging for batteries. There's parallel and there's series. Parallel keeps the voltage the same, but it doubles your capacity. Whereas series actually doubles the voltage every time you add, or adds voltage every time you add a battery. So like a 36 volt trolling motor is three batteries in series. Um, that, in my opinion, if you're having battery issues with new batteries and good wiring and stuff, my first thought is to add a second battery and then parallel it in with your cranking battery. That way you won't ever have any issues. You know, you're, you won't forget your motor key on or something and your one battery is dead. Like everything's still on a dedicated battery. It's just like having one massive battery in your boat. So now you mentioned adding a power harness for your electronics like what yep. is what what is a power harness so basically how boats come from the factory is they've got a you know a, a, and, and some manufacturers are starting to do something different i still haven't found one that i feel is up to snuff they have leads coming off of the the battery um in this ranger's case they're actually really heavy leads but in most boats cases they're like 10 maybe 8 gauge leads those leads go up into the console they go through a bunch of switches and they get distributed throughout the whole electronic system of your boat your lights your bilge pumps your uh live well pumps you know if you got a radio if you got interior lights all that and then they go out into your graphs well the problem with that is every connection you put in a system doesn't matter how good it is soldering gets brought up um the National Marine Association discourages solder heavily. Um, it can introduce corrosion, and it actually creates a stiff spot in your wire. So when that wire is kind of bouncing around, they can actually get brittle and break. So as we use crimp connectors. Basically, we smash this tin copper barrel down on top of the wires, and that makes the connection. Now, the more of those connections you add, or if you have, like a lot of boats have plugs under the console, they'll plug all the stuff in because from the factory they've got the switch panel, they put the harness in the boat and they plug everything. Every time you add one of those connections, you lose, you know, it's called a voltage drop. And the farther you get from the battery, every wire has a voltage drop. And I was actually going to grab uh, the thing out of my shop that says what gauge wire and voltage drop, but of course I forgot it. But what I do... Um, a lot of people hear about sea clear harnesses. I'm doing the same thing that they're doing. I've been doing this on graph since I think it was when the HDS Lowrance Gen 1s came out. Um, I realized there was a need for this. I am running direct power, comes off the battery, and then I run a big switch in the back for all the graphs. And then I'm running a 10 gauge set of wires to the graph directly. So if you were to it basically your graph is getting voltage before anything else is it's also clean power so you can have a lot of feedback from uh, pumps running and stuff like that they, they make an electromagnetic basically feedback and that's how like some guys notice um especially with like some of the rangers and stuff with that that jump start system in it like well when i push on my trolling motor foot pedal my graph goes all wonky and that's normal to some degree, but what's happening is it's actually backfeeding, um, especially Minn Kota, they use a pulse width modulation. So when you're pushing constant on your Minn Kota, it's not actually drawing constant power. It's turning the power off and on thousands of times a second. And that's where the maximizer came out. That's how they get that variable speed and stuff. All of that can feed back into your electronics. So we keep all of that separate. Every graph gets its own set of leads. And then that way, you know, a lot of people say, well, the wire coming out of my graph is tiny little 18 gauge. But if you string that 18 gauge over, I think the average 20 foot bass boat, it's about like 27 feet from graph to batteries, how long the wire needs to be to make that. You actually lose a lot of voltage. You know, it's like a hose. If you string a 500 foot garden hose up, it's going to have trouble coming that far. So we overwire them, and then that gets the adequate voltage and amperage to the grass. And I didn't advertise this at first, but I had a lot of customers reach out to me and say, my graphs are faster, my graphs are clearer, 
and like I don't have any of that weird, you know, when you go to turn the key on your motor and your graph shut off. That's just inadequate wiring. So when you're dropping the amperage on the battery, there's not enough amperage in the wires to keep the graph on. So we eliminate all of that. We run, we call them clean harnesses all the way to the graphs. And that way they're getting the cleanest power they possibly can. And then in an event that a graph is having an issue, the wires that I use come from Anchor Marine. It's the best wire that I could source. They're in a white jacket. So you have a red and a black or a red and a yellow, red and white. It, you know, availability is causing me to change colors. But you have this jacketed wire that runs up there. So if a customer of mine says, hey, a lot of times it's, hey, I got you put a graph on the front of my boat. You know, I just want to add the second graph. And I'm like, you can use the harness. It's overrated for it. Uh, they can pull it off and I can say, find the white wire that's got two wires coming out of it. And it's really easy to find. It's really easy to diagnose on the water. Or, you know, if you're changing batteries or whatever, one of your graphs doesn't turn on, it's pretty easy to find it that way. So that's what the harness is. I call them SPM harnesses because they're custom. Um, I pull the wire directly off the spool for your boat. So every individual boat gets a different um, length of wire. And then everything gets heat shrink uh butt connectors and ring terminals and everything and then a waterproof fuse back on the battery so there's no issues no fire risk no nothing well that covered the the next two questions that i actually had written down were uh uh what does clean power mean and uh uh gauge of wire how does that affect uh um electronics and i think you covered both of those uh right there um the the other thing that i kind of wanted to talk about and you did kind of touch on that uh, a little bit ago also is how many boats have you come in or had come in that you took a look at and you were just like holy smokes like this was a fire waiting to happen or this dude should be electrocuted or i, I mean you got anything crazy um uh, honestly, the boat that's in my shop right now that I've been working on all day is probably one of the craziest boats I've seen in a long time. Um, I've been sending, uh, the customer is a super cool guy. He was going to have me work on his boat last year and timing just didn't work out. And he brought it into me. Uh, we brought in some lithiums and we're just doing power harnesses. You know, he couldn't get his Garmin or whatever. And I looked in there and You'll actually see on my Facebook page when I get done, I'm going to post before and afters. And it, it just looked like a spaghetti mess in the back. And he's like, can you clean this up and stuff? And I'm like, absolutely. And yeah, um, I had my girlfriend here with me today. She does all my book work, but she was helping me kind of pull wires and stuff. And I was just pulling stuff out and, and, and it was, you know, there's wire nuts everywhere and it's, you know, everything was just kind of hobble cobbled together. And, you know, it's unfortunate for this customer because he bought the boat this way. Right. And he's been having issues and, you know, he was like, I just feel like it could be better and stuff. So this one is probably the worst that I've seen. That's unexpected. It's a 2012 bass boat. Now I've had customers bring in, you know, boats from the eighties that have been sitting back in their field. That's just a mess, but that's kind of be expected. But this one I think is the worst newer boat that I've seen that somebody had worked on. And actually the wire that was in the boat is um residential grade house wire oh yeah all, just just throw just, some romex in there yeah <laughs> exactly so <laughs> there's some red in there so i think what happened was he went to home depot or menards and they said well we got 25 feet of red left but we got 500 feet of black and he said well i'll take the rest of the red and use the black and whatever so yeah it was kind of weird when i went and started digging around and i'm like why is this wire so stiff and yeah it's single strand that says right on there residential use only um but you know that's for a houseboat everyone knows but that yeah, that's what i do i i want i want my customers to have the best electronics experience they can and you know it, it does come at a price uh but ultimately you know if guys are putting you know, three, four, three thousand dollar graphs on there. A lot of them are more than happy to make sure that they're installed right. And I stand by my work. Um, I give all my customers my cell phone number when they leave, and I'm like, hey, if you have anything, you know, call, text me, whatever, and I, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. I, I don't get a lot of calls for my work failing, but I get a lot of guys like, well, hey, I'm on the water and I'm not quite sure, you know, how all this <laughs> stuff works. So on top of that, I do offer on the water training where 
I, I kind of let the customers pick the lake as long as it's not just a little bowl lake, and I'll meet you at the dock. I'll go out in the boat with you. You know, I'll sit at the console with you, and we'll go over everything, and I'll show you what your settings are because everybody listening has the capability to dial their graphs in. But what I have found is a lot of them are, you know, kind of worried that they're going to mess something up. So what I do when I'm with my customers, the first thing I do is I just start maxing everything out and minimizing everything. And I'm like, well, this is what it's like when you turn this way too far. And then once guys kind of see what is wrong, then if something does get messed up, they're like, oh, that's right. He said that sensitivity is up too high so I can dial it back in. And I've had a lot of really positive experiences with guys on the water, you know, where they they just kind of hire me because they think they might learn something and then they really get into it and they're like wow i didn't even know you could do that and i didn't know what that screen was for so the technology is great that we have right now and we're to the point now where when somebody says hey what do you recommend it's a space race at this point yeah. every company making fish finders right now is making a great product obviously hummingbird is the only one with 360 imaging not on the trolling motor now. Lawrence came out with something similar, but they've all got live sonar. They all have great side imaging. They all have great sonar mapping. So it's kind of pick what you're comfortable with. You know, if a guy comes in and says, you know, hey, I really want to switch to Lawrence, I think, and I've used hummingbirds for years, I'm just like, we can do that, but why? And a lot of times it's just, you know, they see something or they hear something and it's maybe not true or maybe wasn't explained all the way. So, you know, when people ask me, what do you recommend for graphs? It's whatever you want. I, I personally run Lawrence's, um, but that's simply because I've been a Lawrence guy my entire life, whether it was Lawrence, Eagle. I had Simrads for a while. Um, I've got friends that run Hummingbirds. I have friends that run Garmin. They all have their quirks. They all have stuff I wish would be changed with all of them. But then again, they all have glaring positives over their competition. Nice. Now, when now, now you sell all three, you said? Yep, I actually sell Lawrence, Simrad, B&G, um, Hummingbird, Raymarine, and Garmin. Now what, I mean, when when you look over your sales, uh, you know, since, since you've started, what brand is it that, that's leading the rest of them? Hummingbird. Really? Yep. Huh. How about with yeah, that? Yeah, it, it, it the... is an 80% market share, I have to say. Wow. How about with the live imaging stuff now with all of them having it? So I have found that guys that are adding live imaging to an existing setup are adding garments. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, guys with Lowrance are just jumping to the active target. Um, I, I now actually just had a guy drop a boat off this morning. He's got Mega Live. Um, I did Mega Live on another customer's boat. They've been kind of hard to get a hold of, so it's it's not really a fair comparison to say. Um, but I will say, if guys already have a graph set up that they're happy with, and they add a standalone live imaging graph, it is Garmin ninety percent of the time. Huh. Um, sometimes guys come in with older units, and they're like, "Hey, I want one dedicated system." In my opinion, if you want a dedicated system with the best live sonar that's been kind of tested and trued. I think Lawrence is the way to go. Um, I haven't had much experience with hummingbirds. So it's like I said, I can't really give them a fair shake. Um, you know, I've got a great relationship with my Johnson outdoors rep and he says he likes his, um, it, you know, it, like I said, it's a space race at this point. They all have interfaces that are winning. Um, but a lot of guys are buying hummingbirds. Um, a lot of guys are buying Minkotas. I'll, I'll say right now, if, if you just said all boxes checked, what's the best trolling motor brand? It is Minn Kota. Um, their customer service and how well they take care of their customers after the sale, I don't think can be touched by any other company. Um, I go down there every year for training. I know the people that are working there. I know the people that are dealing with all that stuff. They stand behind their product unlike anybody I have ever seen before. And when there's an issue, they work with us as service centers directly to get it resolved. Uh, when the Altera first came out, we were having issues. You know, I was seeing a lot of them because obviously Midwestern market. And, you know, I was on the phone. You know, the guys down there were, were 
chatting with me like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. And then they'd be like, okay, well, we'll look into it. And then you get a new Altera or something, you know, a couple weeks later, and they made a change to it. So the Brussels stuff is cool. Being a Lowrance guy, I think the Ghost is cool. But when it comes to trolling motors, I think Minn Kota is still on the top, just everything considered. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, I know this is kind of a... Uh... This is kind of a loaded question, but Matt and I were talking about it, and and I feel I feel like it has to be asked, um, you know. And and I get it that it that every boat is going to be different, but for somebody listening to this that you know is like, golly, you know, I'm really thinking about getting some new electronics on my boat. Uh, I'm not, I I don't feel super confident in rigging it myself, you know, whatever. Uh, what what how? What what's the cost to rig a boat? I mean, do you charge by the hour? Do you charge by the boat? Uh, you know how how exactly does that work? Because you know, I mean, I'll be honest. Me and Matt were kind of talking about it, and it's like, well, is it three thousand? Is it three hundred? I, I I have no clue. So I I have menu pricing. Um, I've gotten myself in trouble with it before. I've also came out ahead of it. No different than if you bring your car to a shop. Um, the mechanic is going to have a set price. Um. You know, for and this is it. This is if you have everything. This isn't counting the the, the graph installer or whatever. Um, you know, for two graphs installed and a trolling motor and everything networked together, you're looking at about a thousand dollars. Obviously, the price goes up from there. It can go down. Um, you know, I, I charge three hundred dollars right now. I charge three hundred dollars for a graph installation, and that includes the harness okay now sea clear i can't remember what they're selling their harnesses for but i'm pretty sure sea clear sells their harness for more than i sell a graph installation for i had a customer bring me a sea clear harness and i told him how much it would be to install it with my harness and he was kind of upset <laughs> um, and and honestly you know i, I prices i feel like are going to change across the industry yep I, i'm not saying that that's going to be my price next year but it's $300 for a graph installation. You know, trolling motor, see, that's that changes because a, a Minn Kota 4-Trex is going to cost less than a Minn Kota Altera with iPilot Lake. So it, it all depends on the, on the boat. But uh, here's one thing I can say. The more you spend on the graphs, the more it's going to cost to install. Um, you know, I, I've had installs around $20,000, including graphs and stuff like that. I've had guys come in and out of here as cheap as $150. Um, if anybody's interested in rewiring, um, my SPM harness installed in your boat per graph is $150. So if a guy comes in, he's got two graphs, he wants nothing else done, he just wants my harness, it's $300. Plus, obviously, Uncle Sam's got to get his cut. But <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm trying to keep my prices affordable. Ultimately, I was the guy at one point that was just barely making by and, you know, was struggling and obviously never had a problem with grass, but I, I just look at like, God, it's just, it's so expensive to get this worked on or whatever. And I'm, I'm trying to keep my prices to the point where my customers feel like they're getting a good bargain. And ultimately that's going to drum up more business for me. So like I said, it depends on the boat. Every boat is different. Um, some of the tracker bass boats, they're actually going to be more to rig than like a brand new Phoenix because I have to pull the whole floor up to run wires. Wow. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a basis to basis thing. Yep. You know, customers call me, they ask, and I, I basically, I give them the menu prices and I say, what boats you have. And, you know, I'll always explain to you if it's going to be more, you know, you'll know before you walk out the door and leave your boat with me, what it's going to cost. And the only way that would change is if I get in there, um, you know, like the guy's boat I'm working on right now, I didn't really expect it to be like this, but I was up front. I said, listen, man, I'm going to do this right. It's going to cost a little bit more money. And, you know, he's okay with it. He doesn't want a fire hazard. Right. right exactly. Now, how many, how many people have you had come into your shop that have spent three, four, you know, $8,000 in electronics and, and, you know, maybe by no fault of their own, they didn't even know any better but uh, didn't have it rigged up correctly and were not getting the full potential out of their electronics? Um, 
I can't give you a percentage, but if I could, I bet the numbers would absolutely shock you. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> I have done a large amount of reworks from dealerships. Oh, wow. So these are guys that have already paid dealerships to install their stuff, and they're having issues right off the bat. Some dealerships don't really want to work with you. Um, once you're out the door, you're out the door. And, you know, they and, and I always get the line, I should have just had you do this from the get-go. So I'm actually seeing an increase in customers that are buying their boats, their grass from the dealers, having the dealer prep the boat and then bring them to me uh, for install. And, you know, that's great. And, and that's one thing that I want to stress is, if you're listening to this and you have a 2001 Crestliner or something like that and you want a Helix 5 put on your boat, don't hesitate to call me. I don't care if you're spending $150 with me or $150,000 with me. I treat all my customers the same, and I want everybody to have the best experience that they possibly can. So, you know, a lot of people, I have people kind of come in and be like, well, you know, I, I, I don't have anything fancy. And, you know, I tell them, like, I don't have a fancy boat either. Like, you know, I rig boats that are nicer than my boat every day. Um, so, you know, even if you want to call and, 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 you know, get your mind wrapped around it. Let's say you're on the fence. You're thinking like, oh, I want to put these graphs on my boat, but I'm not quite sure what to do. Give me a call. I'll work with you through it. You know, we'll figure out what's going to be best for you. If I can get them and you want me to get them, that's great. If you can find them elsewhere, you know, I can get you taken care of in pretty much one phone call and get you on the calendar and everything should be great. Yeah. Nice. You can't, you can't yeah. beat that. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, a guy that, uh, yeah, I, I like, I like the way that you're doing business now. Uh, well, all industry and the happier you make people, the better your business is going to run. And ultimately I'm in this for the long run. So I want to treat all my customers as good as I can. And I love nothing more than when I see, somebody make a post about me or somebody says, Hey, anybody have any recommendations? You know, uh, Minnesota Bass Heads is a Facebook page that gets a lot of traction from, from my customers and stuff. And I love it when people say, Hey, go talk to Taylor, take it to spring performance. He's your man. You know, I, I appreciate each and every one of those comments. Um, it, it's helping me out and I don't ever forget that, you know, Heck I yeah. make sure to take care of everybody that comes in. You know, if you call me at, eight o'clock at night i'm gonna answer the phone and i'm gonna talk to you you know i have a uh, my shop phone is actually a cell phone that i carry with me 99 percent of the time so if you call that shop phone even if it's noon on a saturday so long as i'm not trout fishing out in the boonies i'll pick that phone up and i'll talk to you nice very nice now matt does most of his uh uh, boat work at about 2 a.m. on Tuesday night. So, uh, I mean, if you see it calling, that's, right. that's, that's what's going on. Yep. <laughs> so I put the key in this where it says ignition, right? Yeah, turn it in. a little bit more and it should start right off. Perfect. Right. That Taylor really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> All right, you know Taylor, uh, we've we've almost uh, we're closing in on fifty minutes here. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, normally we we run about an hour long shows. Uh, I think this is the perfect opportunity for us to uh, uh, let you uh, kind of tell the um, listeners where they can find you. You know, maybe a cell phone number if you're active on the internet, social media. Uh, where can the listeners find Sprangle uh, Performance Marine? Yeah, so we actually uh, just launched our uh, website today um www.sprangleperformancemarine.com um the easiest way to find me is on facebook uh, my facebook page is sprangle performance marine you can message me directly off of there uh, my business phone number is 612-459-0064 and i want to stress that is a cell phone so you can text that number as well um, and if for some reason I don't answer and you call, just leave me a message and I'll get back as soon as I possibly can, or, uh, you know, shoot me a Facebook message. My, uh, website does have a contact thing on there, but I mean, we all know that that sometimes doesn't work. So Facebook or phone is the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. Right on. Well, uh, Taylor, we, we definitely, uh, appreciate you, uh, taking an hour out of your life to, uh, sit and chat electronics with us. Um, I know I learned a lot. I can't help but to think that Matt learned a lot and Definitely the listeners learned a lot. Um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully there's a listener out there that, uh, uh, finds out that Sprangle Performance Marine is the place that he needs to go to, uh, to get that boat rigged up. Yeah. 
like I said, give me a call and I'll get you I'll get you figured out one way or another. Awesome. All right. Well thanks a lot, man. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Bye. And Taylor Sprangle was our guest today. Uh, Taylor with uh, Sprangle Marine Performance Marine, Marine. Yep. Uh, up there in Anoka, Minnesota. Anoka, Minnesota. There's a lot of there's a lot of names of cities up in Minnesota that are a lot of fun to say. Yeah. <laughs> Anoka's just like you remember that old? I think it was like maybe by Enya or something like that called like Orinoco Flow. Uh, I don't. I don't know that one. Maybe a sail away. I think the song was sail away. All but right. talk about something with Enya? Orinoco flow. That, You're that, a big Enya fan, huh? That I mean, one of your last you, concerts. You can't <laughs> in your dreams. I don't even know if Enya's still alive. You can't deny it. She was a good singer. No, it was. She has the good stuff. I mean, just kind of fun every once in a while to kind of crank some of that. Everybody's got their guilty pleasure. Yeah, I'm. I mean, stuff like that. I w- I wouldn't do it with with you know a friend in the car if i did it with ramrod god knows something weird to happen he'd start taking off his clothes or something like holy moly but uh nope uh thank you taylor for joining the show uh that was a lot of fun very informational a lot of knowledge dropped there um nwt this past uh weekend up in michigan yeah out on the detroit river detroit river and uh i don't think uh if you're a guide on the Detroit River up in that area, um, I don't know that anyone's going to be calling you after seeing the results there. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, it was pretty tough. It was tournament. brutal. It, it was, was brutal. I mean, the pre-fishing, everybody was talking about how nasty the weather was. Like we talked about last week on the episode, they had a blow day, so they moved to a Saturday or Friday Saturday tournament. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys struggled. Yeah, a lot a of lot guys. of zeros. If you could find, if you could catch some fish, you're going to put yourself into contention. Uh, the winner only caught nine. He didn't have ten, you know, full. He didn't have a full two day limit. Uh, when you when you go down, so so the winner had. There was only one team that actually filled all ten, wasn't it? Uh, they were like in sixth or seventh place, maybe. Let's see here. I don't see anybody that had a full ten fish limit. No kidding. Uh. Uh-uh. No one all the way across. Golly, I thought that maybe someone like down a little bit actually had 10, but uh, nope. Nope. Apparently I'm wrong on that, but uh, holy moly. Um, I mean, like how many fish did, did 20th place have? 20th place had five fish. Five fish. And that was all on day one. Holy. Or day two. They had no fish on day one. And they caught, wow. they caught a limit on day two, but. Golly, that's yeah. uh, that's crazy, and I mean, these are the best walleye fishermen in the whole entire world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Paul George ended up taking the win. Local guy, right? Yeah, he's from Mountain Trenton, Michigan. So I'm guessing okay. it's close. Of uh, of the top five, how many guys are from Michigan? Um, I don't know where St. Clair Shores is. It doesn't. It won't let me see it on here. I think that's Michigan. Yep. Uh, one, two, three three of them okay then there was two north dakota guys i saw justin sieverding uh he's a south dakota guy i think he had a pretty decent finish uh, i think he was up uh, uh 29th 29th okay well yeah. that might have been the the top guy from dustin, <laughs> from dustin minky from forest lake minnesota he was in um ninth place okay so. oh yeah hell yeah uh, kevin mcquade from isle minnesota he was in seventh so is there even anyone from Iowa that fishes on the NWT on yeah. the professional side? Um, Matthew Reber from Granger, Iowa, finished 23rd. Really? Joe Carter from Sherrill, Iowa, finished 24th. Hell yeah. Way so. to go. IOWA. Let's go Hawks. <laughs> and Cyclones. And and Drake Bulldogs and whoever else you want to go for. <laughs> but, uh, all right. I think... I don't know. You got anything else besides that to talk we about? Gotta, you know, we got to give uh, Graves some crap. He was kind of getting on us. What the? The other day about us to, not releasing no episodes yeah, and stuff like that. Didn't release an episode last week. BS. Telling us that we can't go on vacations and have a personal life. We're just supposed to sit down here. And he was he was getting mouthy, and Jared Van Ingen <laughs> was there to prove it. Yeah, that's I thought right. Jared was going to cold cock him a couple times. He, he had he had his some, fist clenched, and he yeah. was about to do our dirty work for the, us. Slap the dirt bag right out of him is what he was going to do. <laughs> Whack. <laughs> get my mail here on time and listen to our episodes yep 
Nope. Uh, all right. Uh, good news story this week. Do you have one, Matt? I think I kind of dribbled that down uh, the front of my pants last week. And uh, I don't know, as of right now, I'm kind of... My brother won a gun last <laughs> night at right. the uh, at the Pheasants story. Forever banquet. He, he did beat out a six-year-old kid that uh, it was in a bingo game and Eric got called to the front, and anytime Eric's got to go in front of a bunch of people, uh, it's pretty uh, awkward. Yeah, he he. It's more awkward for Eric than it is for the crowd. Yep, he doesn't doesn't care for that. Uh, I don't exactly know how um, how me and Eric ended up being polar opposites, but uh, <laughs> uh, Eric doesn't talk. Eric, and would, you would have been like, "Give me that mic." Yeah, that's that's why <laughs> Eric tell so you quiet. guys a story. <laughs> yeah, because he's never, he never never been able to talk. I, I was always yakking, but. Uh, no, that's going to be my good news story. Uh, um, Ooh, I don't, right off the top of my we head. We went huh? down to the river today and fished we together. That's, that's, yeah. uh, we didn't that's catch anything, good. but uh, we were out there. and uh, um, Amongst all the geese and everything else. So yep. And you've got your boat in. and Got you should it be... in, getting it going. So hopefully this week I can maybe hit the water. I don't know. i got to umpire a couple nights this week. So that's starting Softball now. Softball already? Yep. No Up kidding. Up in Minnesota. Up in Minnesota. Yeah. Heck, the snow ain't even off the diamond yet. How the, how the hell are they going to do that? Oh, they're used to it. Only in Minnesota. <laughs> you don't even bring your freaking softball cleats. Bring a set of snowshoes <laughs> to get to right. first. That's why the ball is bright yellow, so you can see it in the snow. <laughs> that's right. I, I didn't know that, but that's a Minnesota <laughs> rule that they adopted. All righty, uh, guys, uh, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to episode 165, I believe it yep, is. that's what it was. That's crazy. Uh, 200 more episodes, and you guys will have an episode to listen to every day of the year besides yes. leap year. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you know, we're working on it, guys. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither was his podcast. But, uh, um, nope, we, uh, we, we definitely appreciate you guys. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, later. Later.